Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for uh, the opportunity we have to be here. We're grateful, Father, for the uh, for the watch and care that you have over us and how you uh, have provided us with a family uh, to be a part of. We're so grateful for that. We cannot say thank you enough. Uh, it's so so much of a, of a blessing to us to have this family that we can connect to and rely on and, and know that uh, understands, supports us. Uh, thank you, Father, for that. Father, as we, uh, as we get ready to start a new year, uh, we pray a, a prayer of, of, of uh, uh, thanksgiving for all the things that, that, that are coming this next year, things we've got planned to do and, and things that we're going to be involved in. And we ask, Father, that you would bless all of those efforts, that they will be, a, that they will be a, an outreach and a way to touch people and bring them to you. Father, thank you for the opportunities. Bless us as we, as we take part in those things. Father, again, thank you for today. It is the day that we come together to honor and glorify you, and we say thank you very much. Uh, we're going to honor you this morning with our lips, and we're going to honor you with our praises, and we're going to honor you this morning uh, with class. Father, help us to be, uh, to be sensitive to the truth, sensitive to your word. Help us, Father, to have a passion for understanding truth and understanding your word, and help us, Father, to, uh, to have, a, have a true passion to apply it to our lives. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, that we have to study this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus has been uh, dealing with the leadership for a while. Been leading, he's been dealing with the Pharisees, and, and uh, he's been dealing with their unbelief of him, that they don't believe he is who he said he was. Uh, they, are, they are divided. These guys are divided over who Jesus is. They argue with Jesus about who he is, and... Uh, they denied that even a blind man, uh, his uh, about the, his his uh, testimony about Jesus. They even deny that. So Jesus, it's going to be an ongoing thing where Jesus is going to be uh, going to be at, at constant odds with this leadership group, the Pharisees. Eventually, they will put him on a cross. Eventually, they will kill him. Eventually, uh, he is going to have more. They've already decided they're going to kill him. They've already decided they're going to try to find a way to do that. And so Jesus doesn't back down from them. You know, at the end of at the end of chapter nine, he basically called them a bunch of blind guys walking around in spiritual blindness. Is what he told them. And uh, of course, they they are they are adamant that he is not he is not a, a biblical Messiah. He's not what the scriptures say the Messiah is supposed to be. Uh, it just shows they don't understand the scriptures at all. He's going to use a, a a figure of speech here as he starts this chapter ten, uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, I want to read the first five verses. All right, we're going to look at chapter 10, uh, the first five verses. It says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, now this is important, okay? He's not talking to everybody. Who's he talking to? Listen to me, Pharisees, I'm going to tell you something. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. And listen to what he tells them. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Now, you understand the, the primary focus of the Israelite nation at, at a point, basically through their whole history, they were shepherds. Okay, they were shepherds. Even in, day, in, in Joseph's time, in the, in the time of Egypt, uh, Joseph told his family once they got to Egypt, tell them that you're shepherds. Because he knew that, that shepherd, 
being a shepherd was something that, that the Egyptians despised that. They, they thought it was an abomination to be a shepherd. And so they, he knew what they were going to do. They were going to put them in the best land, the land for shepherding, and that was Goshen. And that's exactly what happened. David was a shepherd when he's called out of the wilderness, called by God as the last son of Jesse. Who, where, is he, where do they find him? Shepherding the sheep for, for, for the town. That's where they find him. They were a nation of shepherds. And so they would understand what Jesus is talking about when he talks about a sheep pen. A sheep pen was an enclosure. Okay? It could be an enclosure where a, where a shepherd would find a, 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 a place where there was bordered on, on two or three or maybe four sides with briars and, and, and bushes where it was impregnable, where things couldn't get in. And he would use that as a place for to put his sheep in. And then he would lay across the entranceway. They would, they would, use, they would use a cave many times. And they would put all their sheep in a cave and he would lay across the entranceway so nothing could get in. So when he calls... When he says that the, the sheep, the only way to get in this sheep pen is you have to come in through the gate. He's going to tell them in a minute, he is the gate. But here he's using an analogy that they would understand what it meant, what a sheep pen looked like. That it was a place where, a place of protection for the sheep, a place where the shepherd could isolate them and protect them, and then he, that, and they, these sheep would know him. He said no sheep gets in by any other way. You know, the only... People that get him out of the way are thieves and robbers. They come to kill you. So what is he telling these Pharisees? That's what you're doing. You're trying to make a sheep pen and a place for the sheep to come in, and it's not through the gate. It's not through the right way. And you're a bunch of thieves and robbers is what he's calling them. He said, you're trying to kill these people. And when he, when he tells them, he said, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. You understand that, that when a shepherd, and many times when he would when he would shepherd, let's say he had a hundred sheep. You remember the story of the guy that loses one sheep in the parable of the lost? What does he do? Leaves the ninety-nine and goes to what? Goes looks for the one. Why? You ever wonder why? Because he's responsible for this town's sheep. He's responsible for the this hundred sheep. They may not all be all his sheep, and so he's going to go and do everything he can do to find somebody's sheep so he can bring it. That's what a shepherd would do. And so the shepherd would go and he would and he would hunt endlessly to find this this sheep, and then he would bring that sheep in, and 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 we're going to read a minute. We'll read in a little bit. We'll read Psalm twenty-three and what it means, what it what the shepherd meant to us, and what it meant to these to these sheep, because these sheep would get to know his voice. I've never dealt with sheep that much. Uh, dealt with cattle, dealt with you know with, with other animals, but never with sheep. But what I've heard is is uh, is they they'll connect. And they connect with a shepherd, and that shepherd can speak, and they know his voice. They'll come to him, and they'll run from a voice that doesn't sound familiar to them. They'll run away. And they have no self; they have, can't protect themselves. So they're not like goats, you know, where goats are just different. But they can't protect themselves. So they depend on the shepherd to protect them. And so the shepherd would lay across the entrance way, and when morning came, he would go in and get his sheep. He would call them. There may be a sheep pen that had two or three shepherds there. Okay, in reality. And these shepherds would all have their sheep in there, and they'd all be milling around, and what would happen? The shepherd would come, he'd call his sheep. Now this is important, folks. It may sound redundant to you. This is important, because if you're going to be a, sh a sheep that follows your master, you had better understand what this is talking about. Because we got way too many people following way too much nonsense. Okay, out there. Way too many people following way too many people that are not teaching them the truth. And this shepherd, he promised, he said, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to take you to the place you need to go. And we have to have confidence in him. 
So when these sheep, when he would call out their names, and he would name them. And as they came in in the evening, he would come. They'd come in in the evening, and he would and he would keep them one by one, and he would inspect them. He'd inspect that they got cut up by briars and stuff, and he would anoint them. He would doctor them and soothe them. He would see if they needed water, and he'd give them water to drink. And then they would go in, and then in comfort they would go in, and they would lay around, and they would and they would spend the night there, because they knew he was laying over the. They couldn't come out; nothing could come in. And this shepherd would lay across that that entranceway to that pen, so the sheep couldn't get out. And then in the morning he would call them by name, and out they would come, and they and and they would you know. Any of you been worked on a farm? Any of you ever been on a farm? You know, my grandfather had uh, had his has cattle named. He named them. He didn't have that. He had 13, 14 head, 15 head. And so he named them. You know, he you know, he called, he, he had a name for his bull, big bull. He had a big black Holstein thing stood about that tall, big, huge horns. And I won't call, tell you what he called him, but uh, <laughs> what he named him. But, but he had a name for him. And that when he called his name, that bull would come. That bull came. And so it reminded me when I thought about this, I said, man, I remember my grandfather calling them and they would come. They, and and these sheep would come to him, okay? They would they would come to the shepherd because they they felt comfortable and felt safe with this with their shepherd. Now let's move on. Now look at what it says in verse six. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Of course not. Why don't they understand? Why don't they understand? They don't want to. They don't want to. They close their ears to what he has to say. Okay. Spiritual blindness. They're spiritually blind. He's using he's using human phrases, human terminology. He's using human stories to tell a heavenly meaning. That's something about heaven, something about about spirituality, and they don't get it. Sadly, you know what we got today? We got people today doing the same thing. God's telling stories in, in spiritual terms, I mean, heavenly terms. They don't get it. They don't understand. Many of them don't want to understand. They're completely comfortable. Or they're impatient with God. They want God to do it their way. We talked about some folks today where people, they want to go someplace where somebody's going to entertain them. Somebody's going to, going to tickle their fancy with entertainment. You know, that's not the way Jesus operated. Not, not the way he tells us. Look at, now look at what he says in verse 7. He said, Therefore Jesus said it again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will, they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes on to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There is no way to get to a right relationship with God except through Jesus. You understand that? There's no way except through Jesus. And if, and if what people are doing out there are in, not in accordance with what Jesus says to do, then it is wrong. It is wrong. I want you to turn to Psalm 23. And think of it. Think of you reading this story that you've read hundreds of times. Some of you maybe can quote it from memory. Think of it from the from the from the understanding of John chapter 10 about being a sheep pen and a shepherd and the gate and protection from the enemy and protection from wolves and protection and, and giving me drink, doctoring my wounds. You know, when I walk in and come out, when I've, when I've been out in the pasture 
and I've gotten cut up by a fence or cut up by a briar, these shepherds would break their legs. If there was a sheep that would keep getting out, they'd break his legs to stop them from, from, from wandering and moving off. Keep them away from rushing water. You know, all of those things, that's what the shepherd did. That's what Jesus is here for in a spiritual sin. Now look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What did a sheep lack? When he went into that sheep pen and the, and the, and the shepherd laid across the entranceway, what did he lack? The shepherd already took care of everything. Made sure he was healthy. Made sure he was anointed so the healing process could begin. Made sure that they were that they were well fed. They had them out in the pasture all day in, in places where it was good for them to eat and, and, and beside water that they could drink and not be afraid from. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now remember, we're looking at it from the position of a sheep pen and a shepherd with his sheep. But here, he's talking about us spiritually. What is it, what is it that my shepherd does for me? Look at what he said. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions from this. How does, how does Jesus, as your shepherd, as the gate to the pen that you, that you reside in for protection, how does he refresh your soul? How does he do that? How does your shepherd refresh your soul? How does he do that? Yes. Okay. You saw him do a miracle on your sister this week. Okay. Wow. Dan and I talked about one that he was involved with today too. I mean, the other day too. So you know that something that, that happened, and, and you know, and you know, how else? How does he refresh your soul? How does your, you know, what refreshes my soul? You're for me, standing here and seeing you. It is refreshing to my soul. You know why? Because I know that there is nothing that's happened to me this week that many of you have not experienced as well. Good and bad. Good and bad. You know? So I know that we are in tandem. I know that it refreshes my soul to know that I have a place where people understand what I'm going through, know me, and are okay with that. That refreshes my soul. We could we could be here all day talking about some of this stuff. Look at what else he said. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. If if the shepherd doesn't do this right here, if he doesn't do this, what's gonna happen? What is gonna happen if the shepherd doesn't do this? Gonna wander off and be lost. Put yourself in a position of a sheep, not really smart, not a bright individual, all right? Kind of uh, on the on the more dumb side. Of the of the animal kingdom, and so you're going to kind of eat down, and you're going to kind of wander around, and you're going to wander off the path, right? And he said, he said he uh, he guides me along the right path. Now, how's that going to happen for me? I've got to be paying attention to where the shepherd's going. Should I do I not? Is he going to guide me in a place that's going to be harmful for me or detrimental to me? How many of you've gone through some stuff this week that has been hard to deal with? Any of you? Have you gone through some stuff that's hard to deal with? Did it did it uh, did it cause you concern? Did it cause you uh, uh, fear? Any any of those things? Did it? You know, I mean, anytime 
anytime we live life, you know, and, and we and there's things that happen in our lives, right? And sometimes things happen in our lives and it's, you know, but if I have a shepherd, what do I know from this verse? What do I know about this shepherd? What's he doing? He's guiding me down the right path. Now, there's going to be things that happen on that path, right? But if he's the one guiding me, what do I know? It's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay, is it not? How hard is it for you to grab a hold of that? How hard is it for you to grab a hold of that? It's going to be okay. Are you going to like everything that happens on that path? Are you going to agree with everything that happens on that path? You see what I'm saying? You know, if he's if if this shepherd is pulling me out of the pen and guiding me to a place, does he have a definite direction of where he's taking me, a destination? Or there there's going to be some things that are going to happen, right? You know, we're not going to spend all class talking about the things that have happened and why this is a good thing. Sometimes you don't find out it's a good thing till that way down the road you find out it's a good thing. All right? But that's what he's telling. That's the promise here in this verse. Look at what else he said. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I asked you, did things happen this week and you were afraid of? That made you, that gave you concern, gave you pause. Why? Why? Why did they give us pause? Why did they give us concern? Why did they, why did they scare us? Because there's evil out there. And because we see them from our perspective. Right? Don't we see them from our perspective? You got kids? You got grandkids? Don't you see it from a perspective of, oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is awful. This is, look at the bad things that happen. On and on and on. But if, but if Christ is, is my shepherd and I'm following him, what is, he's, look at what he said. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What do I, what do I, the shepherd's not going to leave me. And he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in your presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. How, how do you figure out, how do you get to a place where you sit, where you sit in life and say, my cup is overflowing. My cup overflows. If you have... A perception of life where, where uh, you have needs beyond what you need. We've just come through Christmas season, all right? Our family has gotten to the point where we're not as materialistic and not as, as, a, as a, what's the word, driven by a, a I don't know what the word is. Yeah. yeah, we're, you know, we, we do a, a very, very calm, very calm, you know, not 4,000 presents, you know, for one kid. We don't do that kind of stuff, you know. We don't do that. So we're not, we're not as, as tuned into the materialistic side of, of life, and it's been very calming, a lot easier. It took us, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes to do five kids and the, and the rest of us. It took, didn't take us long at all. Because, you know, we're not going to spend $5 million on Christmas. We're just not going to do it. We just don't, you know, and so so our perception and our kids, the kids' perception is, that, you know, th this is great. Now, if they got 500 presents each, they they, they think, well, five presents not very good. It's been a bad year, right? So we're training them that that's not a good thing. And so we're going to do It's more about family and more about eating and more about fellowshipping together and they were they were you know five kids and my son my other son and they're playing video games and and you could I was waiting for the roof to move 
After about two hours of that, I said, I'm going home. <laughs> That's about all I can deal with. Leave them kids to them kids. I'm going home alone. I'm going home by myself. You know, but it's but it's it fills my heart with joy because I watched then we got pictures later and some of the things that we gave the little kids, little little craft things, and they had built them with their daddy. You know, man, that's what it was about. You know, a five dollar thing that their kids had a had an hour of enjoyment with their daddy putting this stuff together. And even he said, he said the little hammer, he said, I got tired of listening to the bang. He said, get out of the way, let me hammer it. <laughs> and I'll put finish putting this together. But you know, he said one of them got up this morning and was painting this morning before he came to church. Painting one of his little crafts that he you know and I, and that really what that does is is uh, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Yeah Vincent. I was raised my sons tell him every day is a good day for a person. Yeah. No, every day is a good day for a present. Yeah. That's God's present to us today. Absolutely. You know, he gives me today to, to do the very best I can with it, try to do what I can do, and use my talents to do what I can do with it. That's what, that's what he's doing with all of us. He gave me today. What can I do with it today? What can, how can I influence the world today? What can I do? Then you're a couple overflow when you have that perspective. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm walking down a path. Path's gonna have chuck holes and pinholes sometimes. You know, sometimes I'll miss, you know, walking around one and I'll step in one. You know, and sometimes, you know, that's a good thing. You know, look at what else he said. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where's where is the where do I know that my shepherd is trying to take me to? It's not taking me to a harsh place. It's not taking me to a violent place. It's not taking me to a place where I where I'm going to be harmed. That's not his. That's not what he's about. He's taking me home. You know. So you know, we've lost Donald aboard. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry for the family. I'm, I'm sympathize with them. I know how grief stricken they are. But that man's gone home. Okay. That man was born again, and his judgment is in the hands of God. And God's promise, he's going to take us home. So here he said, my shepherd has got everything good for me, water, doctoring, you know, food, everything. And I should be aware of that every day and know, hey, you know what? It's a good day. It was a, it was a good day yesterday. I got to go home alone. You know, it's a good day. I got to be there. It was a good day. It was a good day. You know, I have three sons that are faithful. Every day I think of that, it's a good day. Isn't that right, Barbara? Yes. Yeah, you got two sons that are both faithful and raising faithful families. Man, it's a good day. It's a good day. Dan, it's a good day, right? You know, and and it, and I know many times it wasn't because of us so much. We did our part. But it was because they made the decision to follow the one they're supposed to. Yes, ma'am. I'm just gonna say that when we woke up at 5:30 Thursday morning, we had this that our 10-year-old granddaughter was had tested positive for COVID. So plans changed drastically. But we have a wonderful history. Our friends. You see, quiet, much <laughs> your, your cup overflows, though, because you have brothers and sisters in your family that you can go to and say, hey, you know, can, can we come out? Or just show up. You see, you see, but you see, the point is, is you have someone that you're comfortable enough with, and it, and that you. She is asymptomatic, so. You know, that's how that's how what I'm looking at. How our cup overflows. We get to have that experience in our life. 
You know, that's how my cup overflows. Now, go back to chapter 2 of John. Now, let's just look at verse 9 again. All right. He says, I am the gate. Again, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come to them to have life and have it to the full. Now, what did he say to, to, to us in those two verses? I'm the gate. They can't get in. You can't get out. When it's time, I will take you out and bring you back in. I'll take you to the place where it's going to be safe for you. I'll take you to the place that you're not going to be harmed. And if you are, I will take care of you. Okay? And he said, everybody else are thieves and robbers, and their job is to kill you. You understand what I'm saying? There, there are shepherds out there. There are entities out there that want to destroy you. They want to destroy you. Okay? And there are people out there that want to destroy you. They do it under the guise of, oh, man, oh, how I love Jesus. They couldn't have been farther from him if, if they put a sign on it. Because in verse 10, he says, he said, and Jesus came to do what? Give you life and give it to you the full. This verse, right there, that verse has been taken out of context, and that's what the, 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 the prosperity doctrine hinges on that verse right there. That's the verse they use. You see, Jesus wants you to be healthy and wealthy because I came to give you a full life and give you a healthy life and give you abundant life. It says in the old, in the New American Standard, Jesus came to give you life and give it to you abundantly, to give you an abundant life. And, and their perspective is, well, if I'm, if I'm healthy and wealthy, everything is abundant and I'm doing good and God must have blessed me that way. And there are teacher, teachers all over the place teaching that in one form or another. It started way back when the the... Uh, the seeker-sensitive movement started way back when, where they were going to see what do seekers want, what do young seekers want. They found out, so they did, they said, we'll, we'll, we'll build a church like that, and that's what we'll do. And many of these guys have offshoots. They're, they're protégés of that, and, they, and this is where it came from right here. It's right there. You see, Jesus wants you healthy and wealthy. He promised it right there. He said, I'm going I'm to keep, keep you healthy, and I'm going to keep you wealthy. And if you uh, and if you just do what we tell you to do, all these things will come to pass. If they don't, then you don't believe well enough. You don't believe strong enough. You don't have enough of the spirit or whatever. Whatever the the the, the nonsense is, I want what it. Yeah, I wrote a question down here. And I'll, how has Christ in your life given you a fuller life? How has Christ given you a full life? Having Christ in your life. Yep. I'm, I'm more thankful for what he's given me, but he's always blessed me, but I wasn't thankful enough like I am now. Okay. You know, I mean, he, when I was working for Summer Day, I mean, I was working just like I was after I became a Christian, mm -hmm. but I was more thankful for what he was giving me. Okay. You know, it wasn't for him. I, I think you can, be, you can be steered off of this if you're not really comfortable with what it means to you. What is, you know, he just said in that verse, he said, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
You've got to be aware of who the thief is. You've got to be aware of who the destroyer is. You've got to be aware of who it is that's telling you things that are not true and are, are trying to take you down the wrong path. So that means you've got to be sensitive to what God's Word says. You've got to be involved in what God's Word says. You know, there, you know, if I started naming names, you say, oh, not that, not that person. Yes, yeah. Go listen to some of the stuff they say. I, I challenge Go listen to some of the nonsense that's out there and the things they're telling you that you need to apply to your life. That's the only way you can be happy to do this, this, and this. There are books been written that are million, 10 million, 20 million sellers that people everywhere buy. I've got one in my in my in my library of one of them. And when you go back and look at it from the from a different perspective, you say, oh my, I didn't see that coming. Oh, I didn't see that at all. When you start to understand what God, what it is that the shepherd's trying to do here. Shepherd's trying to take you home. Shepherd's trying to protect you while you're here. Shepherd's got a job for you to do. He's got a path for you to walk. Okay? And he wants you to be healthy. Yes. But he'll doctor you. He's the great physician. That's why you hear me say, this is a hospital, guys. That's what this is. It's a hospital. It's not a church. It's a hospital. It's a hospital for sick folks. Everybody in this place, everybody in this room, is got is in one form of recovery or another. You know, you go to the hospital, are all everybody in the hospital dying? No. Some of them are getting better. Some of them just came in, you know, bad car wreck, and they're, you know, they're in death's door. Well, that's what's happening here. Great physician works here. This is his this is his hospital of choice where he works. Trying to work in our life. Huh? Karma yeah. said he's trying. He's continually changing our our what our the, our perspective of struggles in our life and things that we're doing. You know, and and that's what isn't that what doctors and nurses do? Aren't they continually changing medicines and changing changing protocols and changing what they do to try to do what to get you better, right? To get you healthy, so you can so that you can get out of the hospital. That's what this is. You know, and so here he's trying to he's you know he is keep he's gonna protect us from the evil ones. How does he do that? How does he do that? How does he protect us from the evil ones? He puts people in, in our paths, you know, that are that you know, like me or, or people that have, have mentored to me and are people in your life that, that you're involved in somebody's life. You know, you know, I mean James right there is a baby Christian. Cole is all over him, man. Cole's on him like a wet blanket, man. Won't let him, won't let him blink twice without knowing what he's doing, you know, and getting him involved in stuff. And he got to be involved in something with Dan the other day that Cole said, you know, what do you think that is? That's Cole at the behest of Christ helping to protect you and helping to grow you and helping to keep you where you need to be. That's that's an abundant life. Did you Were you blessed because of what happened? You were blessed, weren't you? You know? I mean, I was, I was explaining it to Cole myself, and, you know, words, words cannot express what I was seeing going on in that room Mr. Parsons and Dan Marshall. I mean, it, it, it's just really just an unbelievable feeling. And, you know, you figure when you pray over someone, you know, it's it just... This man's dying, thing. okay? This is a... We got to call him. This man's dying, okay? And and he happened to be somebody that that James knows, or is part of his family. 
And it, 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 it's amazing because you're, you're laying hands over someone, you're praying over them. You figure it's just a one-way thing, but really, it's it, it, it's really building up two at yeah. the same time. And Absolutely. Something on both sides. You know, and when he says it here, he said, you know, the thief and the robber has no perspective of that. They have a perspective of a world perspective. What's the world perspective? Sadly, the world perspective right now is materialism and stuff, right? And that the world that's where we just came from. You know, you know, and you may have been involved in it, you may have seen it. You yourself. Man, I went I go to the store all the time. Man, people are nuts. You know what I'm glad of? Monday morning, I'm gonna go in the store at seven o'clock, there ain't gonna be nobody in there. You know, I can't stand going to the store at seven o'clock in the morning and then bump into people, man. Yeah. I go in there so I can stay away from them. I don't have to be around all that nonsense. Yep. And watching people spend what they don't have and buying things they don't need, you know, it's amazing. You know. But that's the perspective of the world. And when you find thieves and robbers, what do they bring? They're bringing a worldly perspective, not a Christian perspective. Because they had a Christian perspective, they'd have it from Christ. So they bring that world perspective and say, I know what the world wants. The world wants to be healthy and wealthy. And that's how it came about. So here we are, you know, asking ourselves, what is it that, that I can do? What is it that I'm going to focus on this morning? We get to worship God this morning. Is that not fulfilling to you? There's going to be people here with little kids. Little kids, all right? Little ones. And they're going to get a perspective. You know, we, we had Mason pray for our... our did a marvelous job, marvelous prayer for that little boy, man, to pray for our meal. Yeah. You, know, you know what I learned? I don't got to do it anymore. <laughs> Let him do it. He's learning how to do that. It's amazing to watch. I'm, I want him to be an example to the other one, so the other ones start doing it. You know, it's, man, that, does that sound excited? I am. That's what a full life gives you. That's what an abundant life, and they don't get it. And, I, and I'm sad for them. I listen to them. I watch them on YouTube because I want to know what they're teaching, what the nonsense they're teaching. And I'm going, you don't have a clue what it really means to have a full life in Christ. Have a clue. And so here, you know, Jesus tells us, this is what I want. This is what the shepherd came to give you. Came to give you life and give it to you to the fullest. You know, now, let's move on. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay. Do you believe? Well, let, let, let's, let's read on. The hired hand is not the shepherd, and he does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What did Jesus prove? What did he prove as a shepherd? What did he prove? That he loves the sheep. Because what was he willing to do? Die for them. You know, Mark's going to do the communion thought tomorrow. I have no idea what he's going to say. I have no clue. You know, but you know what? He's going to lead us to. He's going to lead us to, to honoring and remembering the one who was willing to die so that you as a sheep could live. So you as a sheep could be protected. So you as a sheep could have a full life. So you as a sheep could have all the things that a sheep needs to survive in life. And Jesus, our shepherd, was willing to do that. Hired hands ain't going to do that. They're going to run and hide when the wolf comes because they don't belong. What did they, what did it say about about David? He said he cared, killed the what? The bear and the lion. Didn't he not say it? Killed the bear and the lion. Doing what? Protecting the sheep. And he said the Messiah is going to be a, a shepherd and going to be a saint like David and come from David's seed line. 
That's what they were looking for. They wanted to know David. They weren't getting it. They were getting this meat guy, this guy that they looked at and had no clue what he was talking about when he talked about this. He'd be in the gate and being the and being the, the instigator of the sheep pen, protecting us. Go home comfortable, folks. Go home comfortable. Go over there and worship with a new passion about Psalm 23 and say, man, I get to worship my God who is my shepherd and will not let anything. And when something happens in my life, understand that it's part of the plan, part of the direction, part of the pathway that I'm on. Okay? Thank God. We'll see you next week.